0: Hello, and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood.
1: This was just published in 2023, and although it is a standalone in her universe, it is the third in the steminist sort of series that she does.
0: Yeah, they don't technically call it a series, but like, it's definitely all in the same universe. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary advanced reader copy. Thank you. I didn't know. Okay. Um, I think we just start with the book jacket because if you know Allie Hazelwood's name and Steminist, like, you know everything you need to know in terms of background of this book. We reviewed the previous ones, yada, yada, yada. The many lives of theoretical physicist Elsie Hannaway have finally caught up with her. By day, she's an adjunct professor toiling away at grading labs and teaching them thermodynamics in the hopes of landing tenure. By other day, Elsie makes up for her non-existent paycheck by offering her services as a fake girlfriend, tapping into her expertly honed, people-pleasing skills to embody whichever version of herself the client needs. Honestly, it's a pretty sweet
1: gig, until her carefully constructed Elsie-verse comes crashing down. Because Jack Smith, the annoyingly attractive and broody older brother of her favorite client, turns out to be the cold-hearted experimental physicist who ruined her mentor's career and undermined the reputation of theorists everywhere. And that same Jack, who now sits on the hiring committee at MIT, right between Elsie
0: and her dream job. Elsie is prepared for an all-out war of scholarly sabotage, but those long, penetrating looks, not having to be anything other than her true self when she's with him...
1: Will falling into an experimentalist's orbit finally tempt her to put her most guarded theories on love into practice?
0: So this jacket clearly had the same issues I did when writing my summary uh-huh. in that like the second half of the book is really spoilery for a romance novel, expect especially. Like yeah. You really don't want to talk about it in any Mm -hmm. sort of Mm -hmm. summary. So um, I give them props for avoiding it because I think sometimes romance novel like jacket writers don't really care about spoiling things because, spoiler alert, they end up together. And I'm really glad they avoided the impulse here to do that. As usual, we generated a random number between 1 and
1: 50. And then we wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. And for this episode, that number was
0: 43. So, As is always the case when we put off writing our summaries, it's so long that we actually need word counter software.
1: Well, there's that. And also for a book where we don't want to spoil the second half either. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I think that our summaries, in fact, are going to be strikingly similar to the book summary, to be completely honest, because I, there are things that you do not
0: want to get into. Yep. In... Uh, like a blurb. So, I'll go first. Meeting your fake boyfriend's bro at a job interview is super awkward, especially when said fake boyfriend can't help you explain. Then there's the added palpable lust. After the external shit is resolved, they do a great job of sexually communicating and processing together. I agree with you. It's a great summary, Thank you. What was yours? Well, here it is.
1: Interviews in academia are always tough, and that's without counting on the following. A, your mentor's professional nemesis is on the committee. B, you've already met him in a weird situation and thought he was a PE teacher. C, he's way too hot.
0: Yeah, so we did the exact same thing the jacket did. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's just there's nothing else to say because how they know each other and the fact that she's a physicist is sort of all you can talk about on the summary side of things. Without getting really spoilery. Yes. Also, I just heard the way I said that. So I think we need to do full disclosure. Meg and I are both a little bit sick. Yeah. Yes. So like, it's not your audio. Our voices are both off.
1: We're we're both a little bit sick. Um, I know you guys are not worried about it, but FYI, it has to do with the air quality and the wildfires that happened for us last week. And I don't know, guys, think about climate change right now and life because we're both Sick because, yeah, of
0: thoughts go out to the asthmatics up in Quebec because I cannot imagine being you. Yeah.
1: um So, we're going to get into tropes. Before we get into the specific ones of this book, I want to talk about Allie Hazelwood's general tropes because she has general tropes that appear in every single one of her books. I'm going to be 100% honest. When I picked up this book and started reading it, I put it down for. A week or so because I was like oh this is the same thing when I did pick it up I want to be 100% clear with everyone listening to this this was both of our favorite books in this series or I guess not a series but the favorite of her books you just have to know that there are some striking similarities to the first two and those tropes are that yes it's in a science slash academic setting Number two, he's a giant and she's petite. Number three, um, it's an enemies to lovers situation. Number four, it is written in the first person limited perspective. So she is convinced that he hates her for some reason. And she has her own reasons for hating
0: him. And number five, she is in some way junior junior to him professionally, and he has some sort of ability to influence her job. Correct. Which so. to me is sort of a lot of the conflict wrapped up in the trope of all of these. I would love to read a book by Ali Hazelwood that deviates from that formula even a little. I really enjoyed this. I really love this book. Like I said, my favorite of the series. But like if she could mix up any part of that five-part guaranteed trope, I think I'd enjoy it way more.
1: Yeah, I I would love to read. I would read. I'd love to read a dual POV. You know, dual POV. I'd love to read. Ah, like they were two people who were in grad school together, went to different places for their postdoc, and now they're competing for an academic position. So or like, grant. Or like grant. they are peers in the field who. They're friends, same level, and like now there's this element of competition. Like that would be really interesting, you know?
0: Right. But, Only one but, of them can win. Yeah, only
1: one of them will come out on top. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, both of them can be on
0: top of the bedroom. I mean, I've got your I'm not going to lie. That's you. so corny, and I want to read it. I know. Allie, listen to us. Write it. Like, you have just peaked in terms of using those five tropes we described at once. So can your next book do something a little different? Because beating this with that formula is going to be really hard.
1: Yes, and please note that we used formula which is science Okay, what are the other tropes that happen in this book that
0: make it slightly different from the first two? Um, dating my brother, which makes these boners super awkward. I love it. Oh my god. I actually
1: really, really liked it when they finally got together and like
0: talked about it. Love it. It's funny because this is, I think, a lot more prevalent in historicals and the relationships aren't realer they're just more committed because dating wasn't a thing in historical romances so it's like brother's fiance or whatever yes and I've always thought that when like it's sort of fun when nobody's feelings are actually involved in the primary relationship at the start of the book but it was I, I never thought how this could translate to contemporary and seeing it done really well I was like super impressed it was great loved
1: it uh, so, yeah, we said as enemy delivers already. Uh, she's an underpaid
0: woman who has to do odd jobs to make ends meet. Super common in contemporaries. Whether it's she is currently out of the real job, I say that with air quotes, that she wants to be doing or the quote unquote real job doesn't pay enough. So she has to do a side hustle. And in this case, it's sex work. She is a fake girlfriend to people who need them to impress their families or attend a function. Mm hmm. Hurt uh, Comfort. Yeah, so the first two times they meet when she is nominally dating his brother, um, one of the times she has a diabetic attack. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the actual word is. I'm an asthmatic, so asthma attack. Diabetic attack, is that the same? Um, and he has to help her out and she doesn't want to tell her his brother, which is part of what makes him suspicious about her. So it did like several things for the plot in addition to being adorable. And I was like, this is good. Yes, second book. So in this book, she fainted. He carried her into the other room, like helped
1: her get over her hypoglycemic episode or whatever. Second book, she fainted like all freaking time.
0: Remember that? So yeah, she. Yeah, all the fucking time. Here it was much more um, selectively deployed. Correct. And well done. Well done. Um. So we talk about how she's doing this fake dating thing on the side and so, I, it really was reminiscent to me of a lot of books where there's sex work or like sex work adjacent, where the, they have rules about what they will and won't do with clients, and making an exception for those rules is a big deal. And yes. I really liked the way that was used here too, because she breaks her rules for his brother just because she likes him, even though there's no romance there at all. And it I was, was like, good. that is so cute to have it not be broken because of like this moment of extreme lust. Yes, but just because I liked it. like. He's clearly a nice guy and she's doing him a favor and it works out for him to have this girlfriend of several years. Yeah. So she's only appeared at like four functions, but she's only supposed to go to one. And I thought it was really cute how that mirrored what her best friend and roommate was doing. Like it was everything that was like a little tropey here was done in just a like unique enough way. And every time I was really impressed.
1: Yes. You'll notice we're lauding Allie Hazelwood right now. We loved it. Loved it. It was good.
0: Right. I mean, her mentor reminds me a lot of the spy Masters we see in spy books. In yes. that you're always either like secretly really in your corner and a father figure or secretly betraying you. And I won't spoil which one he is, but it's super clear he has ulterior motives and he, like his own motivations. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really well done in the background of this one. I...
1: That's interesting because that's one thing that I thought was a little – I was a little – I knew what was going on there.
0: I don't know if I thought – I did it, like, too. Well done, but it was interesting. But I knew what was going on. I Like I created this paradigm just so I don't have to spoil it. I was very sure what was happening. Got it. Okay. Um. This.
1: this so this book, I, I don't know if this is a trope, but it does tackle, I think, the the
0: feeling of uh, imposter syndrome or like not living up to your potential. I think it is, especially women early in their careers who, yeah. like, achieved something great in college and then either realized they hated it and go in a totally different direction. She's, like, won a bunch of awards and is adjuncting. Yep.
1: hmm Do you want to talk about the next one that you put in, or is it too spoilery?
0: I think we can say it, um, because it's really I think this one's so obvious. It's fine. It was very where, obvious to me as well. like I, I think this one was even more obvious than what was going on with the supervisor.
1: Yeah,
0: um this was there is a there are a couple of people who are women who go by masculine names in this book as nicknames. And there is one person in particular where one character assumes the masculine name means a man, and they really. Fall flat on their face for that mistake. Yeah. But
1: anyway, yeah, both of us,
0: favorite in the series. By it. like a lot, for a uh-huh. lot of reasons, like this moves on trope. I am a sucker for a guy who reads a woman super well and like yeah. forces her to go slow almost against her will because he wants to keep her. And you he know, if they like do a quick lay, she's going to panic. And I shouldn't be. Like, I shouldn't be. It is super anti-feminist. And the thing that I hope saves it is, like, my favorite moment is when the woman calls him on his shit. Yes. And then, like, demands that they start moving the way she articulates, not just the way he thinks is best for her. I love it. I loved it. I loved it so much here, too, when she – what she did and how she did it. I loved it. Loved it. And then even beyond the sex conflicts, once the whole situation with her fake dating his brother and this job interview are resolved – I thought all of the conflicts and the fights they had were super appropriate and the correct stakes. Yes. Yes. Like it wasn't overblown, but it was serious. And I didn't feel like they were like having a third act breakup, but they were having a real, like, we need to talk about like our past and the way we are now. I was like so impressed. So fucking impressed. They were both like, we've been
1: ignoring things about each other to make this work because we're so compatible and we, we really like each other so much. But if we don't talk about this. It's going to break us up sooner or later. I thought I agree with you. I thought it was so well done. I loved it. I really, really liked the entire conversation. And the grand gesture lane. Oh my God.
0: I loved it. Same. Like just hard same about all of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I also want to praise her. I thought the. Descript depiction of asexuality as a spectrum was really well done. Yeah, and the fact that asexuality was presented as a kind of coming out and is a part of like the LGBTQIA plus community, like a really, sometimes that stuff feels hamfisted, and it's felt hamfisted with Ellie Hazelwood before.
1: Mm-hmm. There was
0: a lesbian couple in the background that I felt like was a little bit more than just mm-hmm. there for the brownie points. Mm-hmm. And I thought the just. Dis- there are two characters who sort of would consider themselves on the asexuality spectrum, and they're very different, and I thought it was great.
1: I really liked it. I agree with you. I thought it was really well done. I also really liked the sympathetic character's reaction to that. Yes. I thought it was just a, a really great reaction, and felt it felt real, and it also
0: felt very empathetic, and it was great. I really liked it. Totally loved it. I think the only thing I am not like foaming at the mouth over how much I enjoyed this read about is her family. And this sort of gets into trigger warnings. And there's a couple of other things I think we need to discuss after a spoiler tag, but her, both of them have experienced parental neglect in different ways. Um, His um family is not, he's not being raised by his mom and dad. Essentially mm-hmm. he's being raised by his father. But um, and her family has always looked to her as like the emotional burden who solves all of the family's problems. And I kind of felt like especially the shit with her family, the book didn't need. Well, what
1: was hard about that for me, Lane, was also this. uh, Yeah, Uh, it was really hard for me to understand. And I don't think you need a family who understands everything about you and about what you want to do. But I do think. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm reading it the wrong way, but I felt like her family should have been slightly more supportive because how do you become so successful
0: in your field and your family that like her mother still doesn't even know what grad school is? Yeah. And honestly, I think everything that her resolving her issues with her family achieved, her and her best friends moment sort of did the same thing way better. So it wasn't like bad. It didn't take me out of the story, but it just, it felt redundant. Yeah. I it felt to me like you could have gotten the same thing if her family
1: was just a little bit far away. Like she moved to Boston for grad school and her parents like are like great, she's a physicist, but I don't really know what that
0: is. But even like the shit with her 31 year old brothers. Yes. Like all of that was just too much. Well, that's that's the thing. The family felt
1: like a caricature of and this is gonna sound terrible, but it sounded yes.
0: Yeah, it like, it, it. I think it was a little bit like fully content warning, trigger warning. Like it felt like a caricature of poor people. She can't afford her medication and that's super serious. And I'm not like trying to diminish like her contributions to academia, but the class difference stuff here, which was never presented as a conflict in the relationship was I think some of the least well done parts of the book.
1: Yeah. And you can still have class difference in her not being able to afford her medication without on top of it, having the family be a white trash mess. Yeah. That's the
0: thing for me. That was the issue for me. I agree. I did. That was my one I'm like fully putting into content warning. Like one, if you have a medical issue and you've ever had to go without treatment for it, like, this could be a little triggering. If the way his stepmother treats him is utterly horrible, so that could be a content warning. But I also think, like, the way it handled poor people was a little bit insensitive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, before we move on to – well, do we have other trigger warnings? I mean, I think those three are the ones that stuck out to me. She's She gets propositioned by clients who don't understand her boundaries and her, like, big dating job. Um, and then uh, sexism in academia
1: is really – as usual in these books, but it's a major plot point Right. Um. on several occasions. She doesn't get sexually harassed by anyone. Um, but there is like academic misconduct, um, sexual, uh, sexual discrimination, like during the hiring process and, um, you know, just like asshole grad students. I don't know if that rises to the level of content warning, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good.
1: I just I before we move on to like any spoilers or anything, I just want to say that Lane and I both cried. We both teared up at a certain point in this book. So you may know, I cry all the time in books.
0: Lane has a heart of stone and never cries. I got a little weld. hmm It was really relatable and hard and like an impossible situation, and I felt for her. It is a testament to Hazelwood's writing. That we both felt this moment so hard. And it's only at about the 50% mark. So this isn't like the grand gesture of the resolution. Nope. Nope. It it doesn't really have much to do with the relationship at all, to be honest.
1: But it was powerful and a moment that any professional woman, I think, can recognize. Unless you're very lucky in your career. Totally agree. Uh, right. Okay,
0: sexiness. I think we... That most of this will have to go into spoiler tag. Okay. So I think I will just say, similar to what I think we've said about a lot of the uh, Ali Hazelwood books, really sexy vibes, really palpable like tension, kind of weird execution that doesn't quite fulfill the promise of the tension. I just have to say, you guys, the phrase, is it all the way in, was used in the book, which... It's so cringe. Uh
1: the thing is, like, I read this book, I welled up, like, I was crying, and then, like, an hour later, I was texting Lane, what, what did I just read? So, almost, it was, like, almost there, but, it, you know, like, in the first book where he puts her whole boob in his mouth? I had attempted to block that out, but thank you. <laughs> it's, I'm never going to stop reminding you, Lane. Okay, uh, thank you guys so much for listening if you have read the book, if you don't mind spoilers, stay on the line. If you haven't read the book yet and want to remain unspoiled, read it. I do recommend that you read the book because it's definitely like by far the best of her, of her books. And I rated, we rated the first one five stars, but this one is like actual five stars. I think that one was like 4.5. This one is five stars. So you should read it. Um, But then come back and listen to our spoiler tag. But uh, thank you for for listening for
0: the, to the first part. Okay, so the thing that made both of us cry is the moment when she finds out she didn't get the job. Yeah, it was it. it she found out in a really tough way. And so she's hanging out with the woman who had been her competition and doesn't know mm-hmm. that. She needs to like keep it on the DL. She's like, oh, LOL, it's official. I've signed the paperwork. They just haven't made the announcement. And like the other woman saying this while on his arm is what makes Elsie realize she's not getting the offer. Yeah. She's like, oh, this is the person who got the job,
1: you know? And the thing is, the interview went really well. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, we've all been there. We've had interviews and we were like, I killed it. That was great. I'm going to get a call. And either you never hear back or you just get that email. It's like, sorry, wasn't you? Well, especially
0: I think within certain fields, it's far more likely that there was like a pre-selected candidate and there was nothing you could have done. Yep. Like it didn't matter if you knocked it out of the park. It was all a foregone conclusion unless the other person ended up like being an axe murderer Mm Mm-hmm. And so it just sucked. Like, and the way he handles it. Yeah. I actually wasn't mad at him, but I thought she was justified in being really upset with him. I mean, yes, yes. I I think that he acted in good faith and with good discretion. Right, because he's on the hiring committee and he thought she was, like, betraying his brother. Yep. And, yeah, uh, like, he's, and he tried as
1: much as he could to warn her, like, like, no
0: matter how good you are, you're not going to get this job. And she thought it was like sexy banter. And he's was trying to be really frank with her. Yeah. Yeah. I especially this is like, at least I think one of the sexiest moments in the books for me, this book for me was when he tells her he recused himself. Yes. And she was like, because you're friends with, you know, George. And he's like, no, because I have feelings for you. Yeah. Like, with... no, she's a parasocial collaborator. It would be totally appropriate for me to weigh in on hers. I can't weigh on yours. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that is the sexiest thing I've ever heard. Like, that amount of self-awareness.
1: Oh, my God. I mean, that's the thing, though, is Jack is, like, the, the most self-aware guy, which I really, I really appreciated that in comparison to the other two heroes because he's not a carbon copy of Adam or Levi, right? He he is right. his own character, and he's obviously worked really hard on himself to be at the point where he is in his career and in his personal life Yep. so that he can be the person that she needs. And I really liked that.
0: I do too. The way his romantic and personal past was, he's not perfect. He had a lot of issues. He handled certain things about conflict really poorly. Like he clearly had unresolved shit from his past. But like this was a man who was in therapy. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I believe the last time I kept shouting, Levi needs to go to therapy. Yes. Like, Jack has gone to therapy and done the fucking work and continues to do the work.
1: Yes, yes. And I, I, I also, I loved that their, like, final argument was about this article that he p- published when he was 17. I, I thought it was, as Lane said, like, so appropriate. Like, they had the appropriate reaction to it, which is, you know, he's like, look you are hanging out with this guy who's trash, basically, her mentor. And he's like, I don't see why you can't, basically like kind of trying to be career coach, but a little heavy handed, you know? Yeah. Like you need to break away, be your own person, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, but also like, maybe you need to look at what you did and have never examined on your part either. Right. I I just thought it was
0: really good. And I loved And it wasn't a breakup. It was a, I need space to process. We've been together for like a week and a half. Yeah. Yes, we both recognize that there is something real here. But like, I totally totally believe something like that, which isn't relationship ending, but feels really significant, would come up after a week and a half. Yes.
1: And the grand gesture, you guys, was perfect for these characters and for this series. Basically what he does is he writes... uh, an opinion piece for an academic journal. The academic journal. Mm-hmm. Where all this has gone down. And it's it's just it's just really great because it shows he's listened to her, but it also shows that he recognizes that he's not been 100% right about what he's done in his past. So it's not all about her. But I, it's I partially it was, about her. But, par- but it is partially about her, yes. I, I thought it was just... It's just so good. It's just really super. Yeah. Honestly, I loved it. Um, One of the things that was hard for me about this book, and we talked about this in the trope section, is that in Allie's three books, the woman has been the junior in the field. And I talked about this at more length in the second book in the series, because at that point we were like, oh, this is her shtick. Mm-hmm. Like, the first book, okay, fine. It's one thing. Second book, oh, this is starting to be a thing. Third book, oh, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize that part of it is these romance conventions which require that the man be older than the woman, right? Uh-huh. And the hard part is that is not just that he's, like, further along in the field. Because I think if you meet at a conference or your collaborators on a project or she's been in the field for 10 years and he's been in the field for 15 years, at that point, it doesn't matter that much, right? But in all of these books, the male part of the couple has some kind of control over her hiring or her her work in some way. Like he actually offers her a job in this book, and it's it's just, it, like, it worked in this book. I'm not saying it didn't work, because it did, and it worked for this couple, but it was really hard. And also, I I think she did the right thing in accepting the job that she did accept, not under him, but under someone else. Actually, the, the woman that she was competing against for the job right. offers her a postdoc research position in her lab. And do I think she should have taken the job? Yeah, it was probably the best choice. Right. On the other hand, that uh, the fact that she accepted it and was like so happy about it—that was actually really tough for me, as a profess- as a professional woman. Thinking, okay, I didn't get a job, and then the person who gets it is going to offer me a lower paying
0: position. Hmm, that was a little rough. Uh, uh, I it wish it was one of those it, things that he, he kept saying, like, "You're not." eligible for a tenure track position, you haven't even done a postdoc. And that is in a vacuum true, except that she almost got this tenure track position. Yes. So like, it it, it does feel now the number one argument, I think for her taking the research position over like going and getting a tenure track position is how much she hated teaching, right? Like it is worth taking less money to like your job more. But I do wish that had been acknowledged a little bit more. Well, and I wish
1: that she had maybe gotten three or four competing postdoc positions, for example. And, she and then was,
0: decided this was the best one. Like, right. if when she confronted her advisor, she found out if those offers still stood. Was there right. a bad one out there? And
1: then she went and talked to them and found out what kind of research they were doing instead of just being like, oh, this is a good job. I under, Look, I get it. It worked for the plot. I don't fundamentally disagree with her decision. I wish that it had been delved into just a little bit more. Agree. So, but I, this book was by far her best. Loved
0: it. I want to talk a little bit more about the sexiness post. Let's do um, it. Spoiler tag. So, they don't, they have a couple of like sexually charged moments and conversations, but they don't start fooling around until after she doesn't get the job. Yes. Which I really, really liked. Agreed. agree. And I also sort of liked the slow dating montage. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the way she interacted with his friend group and the fact that they both had this sort of found family and she had a one person who you got a really deep dive into and he had this like really healthy social circle. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I liked it a lot. Talk about fucking green flags. Men with friends. (laughs) Yes. And men who introduce each other friends. Like men who have healthy like external social circles Mm -hmm. I just I really enjoyed the, like every I thought everything about this was so cute and there were a couple of moments where they actually were like fucking around that I was like eh the potential was more promising than the execution but overall I really enjoyed it
1: yeah oh green flag men who stick up to you to their friends who just met you too
0: He was all fucking kinds of green flags. He was great. I loved Jack. He was a great hero. Really liked him. He knew what to do with his position of power. Yeah. In a way that the first two heroes didn't. Yeah. And I really liked that being turned on its head. Yep. I agree. But. Okay. Next book.
1: Peers. Friends to competitors to lovers. Older woman. Younger man. She's He's a postdoc in her
0: lab. Any of these. Especially because, like, in one of the books, if I'm recalling correctly, like, the woman had some sort of, all of the books, the woman has had some sort of tarnish on her reputation. Yes. Like, in this case, she had a shitty junior year of college. Yep. Um, in previous books, people have had, like, unprofessional incidents in labs. Like, I really, I want a woman who, like, hasn't fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, especially not over a guy. Correct. Would have loved it. So I like this this book didn't need to be changed. No, this book did not need to be changed. So I'm really looking forward to what Allie Hazelwood does next, because I think she's peaked with this construct. I, I really, really hope
1: so. I really hope so, because this book was so good. It gives me so much hope for what Allie Hazelwood can
0: write. I am ready for a new story from Allie. So, I mean, definitely recommend this one, frankly. And I can't believe I'm saying this. You can skip the first two.
1: (laughs) You can skip the first two. (laughs) Thanks for listening.